0: Amen. We uh, may be the ones up here doing the speaking, but the Lord is speaking to us as well. Good morning. Please open your copy of God's Word to Mark, chapter 10. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 27. Mark 10, 17 through 27. This morning we are continuing our series, Amazed and Afraid. We're about halfway through. Uh, We've been looking at 13 extraordinary stories from the Gospel of Mark, in which... People were amazed at the things that Jesus said and did. And sometimes they were afraid of the things that he said and he did. And actually, often they were both amazed and afraid. As I said, we'll be reading from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. Please stand for a reading from God's word. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother the man said to Jesus, Teacher, I have kept all those since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked. And he went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Let me pray for the words that we just heard, that ancient story, to become real and relevant in our lives this morning. That's the work of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of reading from your word, Father, that we have an abundance of copies of your word available to us at all times, through our devices, in paper, print, Lord, I pray that the words would leap from the page and onto our hearts. Help us, Lord, to to, to make this story feel real today and to apply it to us. Help us to leave here renewed and encouraged as we find ourselves a part of your good story, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a story about a man who had everything except what he really wanted. The man rightly asked Jesus about inheriting eternal life, but in the end, you saw with his encounter, he left sad. It's one of the strangest stories in the Gospels where someone actually is walking away sad when he was pressed about his wealth and surrendering that so he could follow Jesus. In the end, the application is kind of what we see, that here's a man whose wealth, possessions, kept him from finding the eternal peace that he was looking for. He chose his luxuries and his comfort, and they became a barrier for him to have a relationship with God and with others in the kingdom. So many things to struggle with this man, and we're going to explore the story a little bit more, but I want to just uh, confess something to you. First of all, when I read this kind of story, I, at first, have a difficult time relating to the guy, because obviously he's a man of some means that's not how I started, and that's my instant default of where I go in my head. You know, I, and I'm sort of embarrassed to say it. I'm just going to say it to you because this is what the Lord asked me to do this morning. I, I really did not uh, come out of much. I came out of actually quite an extreme story of poverty. Single mom. Uh, she was on public – we were on public assistance. Uh, we lived in the kind of neighborhood that you would not be caught dead on in a house that looks something like this. Uh, the house I was in has, has long been – turned. Uh, torn down and, and, and razzed, uh, but it was very similar to this, and I'll tell you what, we didn't actually live in the entire house either. We just lived in the upstairs. So when I look at this story, I first of all think, well, I don't have any connection to this guy. I'm probably more like the, the poor people that were like, hey, there's somebody out there going to sell some stuff and, and give it to us? No. But even though I spent my early part of my life in, in really just a not- Great experience. There was something in my head and in my heart that was placed there that told me I was meant for something different. There was something in my head and in my heart that was placed there that just said I'm just, I'm meant for something different. So I had to fight through a lot of insecurity. I really did. To find some success in life and to some measure, I, I made it. I made it out. I had enough that I was at least uh, happy uh, my mom, uh, God love her, she passed away some years ago. She was, she was very proud of me and the work that I was able to do and the places I was able to travel. I had a lot of friends. I had a lot of fun. And yeah, I did have some luxuries in my life that I was very proud of. So maybe I am like that man. I think I am because actually still in my heart, I found myself increasingly haunted by this feeling that there was something more important that I was missing. No matter how much I accumulated, no matter how many great experiences I had, and I could sure appreciate them at a different level than most people, I could never get past this feeling that it's never going to be enough, and there was something big that I was missing out on for real. So now I actually do relate to this guy who runs up and falls on his knee before Jesus asking him, Good teacher, what must I do? To inherit eternal life, what must I do? What he's asking here is, Lord Jesus, how can I be part of the great resurrection to come that we know is going to be for the righteous, for those who are made right in God's eyes? How can I be part of that? How can I be raised eternally with those who are righteous? Maybe another way for him to say that is, how can I know that I'm, I'm going to be on good, God's good side? How do I know that, that I'm okay with him? When you look at that question, and I don't know if it was just the Holy Spirit that put it in his mind and his heart to phrase it that way, what is it that I need to do to inherit eternal life? Well, who gets the inheritance? The beloved child. Those are the ones that get to be the heir of the kingdom, and the heir of eternal life. So what he was saying here is, how can I make sure that I'm in God's family, along with those who are also his sons and daughters and raised together for an eternity together for the rest rest of all, always, always and forever. I always tell you this, one of the best keys to understanding the scriptures, this is one that's been very helpful to me in my walk, is to read the scriptures relationally. Uh, relationship is a key that I find you can use on almost any page of scripture and it just opens up because there's relationship on every single page in the scriptures no matter where you go. There's always relationships at stake. Now, it could be God to us. The word certainly speaks to that. The word speaks to our relationship to God. There's, There's a lot on that. And there's quite a bit on our relationship to one another. So there's relationship really on every page of Scripture. And I just find that it's a very helpful key when I get to difficult passages, just think, what relationships are at stake here? Is it God to us, us to God, us to each other? What is the instruction here? And so this man, when he comes to Jesus and falls on his knee and he says, Lord, what do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? What he's saying is, how can I know that I have a relationship with God that'll last forever? What can I do so that I can be assured in my heart that I'm part of the family of God, and that I'm like his son and an heir to live with him forever. There was something in his head and his heart that was placed there, and it was a longing, and he was looking for some answers. Well, I love Jesus, and I love him for many reasons. But Jesus starts to lead the man first by listing off some of the commandments. And Jesus lists lists off the particular commandments, the thou shalt nots. He does about five of those, and one of those, honor your father and mother's. Ten Commandments are also all about relationship, by the way. You can go ahead and look at them. It's us to God and us to one another. And Jesus focuses him very quickly on the thou shalt nots, the things you shouldn't do in order to live in good relationship with each other. You can see the list right there. Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, don't murder anybody, don't commit adultery, you shouldn't steal, don't lie, bear false witness, don't defraud anyone, thou shalt not, oh, and then honor your father and mother. the man's like, but I've I've done all that, I've done all that or not done all that since I was a kid, I've honored that. In other words, he's saying, look, if I'm anything, I'm not a bad person, not a bad person, I didn't hurt anybody. My parents are proud of me, and we find out later at the end of the story, he actually was doing pretty well for himself. Now, as a parent, raising five kids that are still under roof, I I step out of the story for a second, and it kind of awakens me, because so much of our parenting can be about that, right? Making sure that our kids are good people, that they're nice, that they don't do bad things, they don't hurt anybody, at least intentionally, that they're not bad. And that we want them to make us proud, to honor their father, mother, and maybe even go on to have more than we have. That would be great. And be successful. How much of our parenting strategy is really about those basics? Just want you to be a good person, I I want you to make us proud, and I want you to be successful. This guy's a product of that kind of parenting. But here's the problem. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's never enough. Jesus looks at the man and he loves him, which is just a beautiful moment. And I don't know what was in Jesus' eyes that, who, that they captured this story that way, but there was something about the way that Jesus looked at him that communicated something clicked and revealed Jesus' love for him in particular. The moment froze, and I'm sure everyone around it kind of sensed that. Boy, there's a connection here. Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. And what does love do? Especially when somebody's twisting like that. You speak truth. And that's exactly what Jesus does. In love, he speaks truth. And he begins to identify the barrier that has kept this man from experiencing the great love of God and fellowship with one another and the peace that he was seeking. It was his stuff. It was all of his stuff. So Jesus tells him in love, why, I can see what's holding you back. I'll tell you what, why don't you go get all that stuff, sell it, put it on eBay, Take all the money and give it to those who are in need. Which, by the way, we don't even think, what a blessing it would have been for them to experience that. Hey, I just sold all my stuff and, you know, here's the money. Sell all your stuff and then, then come follow me. Now if you come follow me, I will show you all the love that God has for you and you will find the peace that you have been longing for. That thing that's in your head and heart, man, that you just can't escape. See, Jesus sees that this man's barrier to a relationship with God and a rich relationship with others was his stuff, his comfort, his luxuries. This is the place that he would go and hide. This is the place that he would go and feel safe from the world and its troubles. You know, you get the feeling from reading the text. It doesn't say it, but you sure get the feeling that this man was pretty lonely. Comes up to Jesus alone. Kneels down before him. Jesus got his disciples. He's got people around him. There's community. There's joy. There's worship. And he leaves. He leaves alone. You really get the impression this man was lonely in his stuff. So before we go on, let me ask, what is your barrier? What is your barrier? What do you think might be holding you back? from experiencing a rich relationship with God as Father and with the fellowship of of the family of God? What might be holding you back? Maybe today, if you feel so encouraged, you might in this, while I give you a little bit of examples here right now, you might just lower your head right now or open your hands or the prayer in your ongoing prayer in your head and mind, just say, Lord, I know you love me. Will you please show me what my barrier is? You can do that right now. You do it at home. You can do it right here in the sanctuary, the safe space. Just, Lord, you love me. Will you show me what that barrier is, the thing that's holding me back from enjoying a relationship with you as, as my father and with others as the family of God? Maybe like the man, it's in, it's in our abundance. It's in our wealth, which we all have. It's in our luxuries. It's in our places of comfort that we can go to whenever we need to. Maybe it's in our ability to stay busy all the time. Or maybe it's the ease in which we can quickly shift into relaxation. Maybe it's the place we go and we numb ourselves from that ache, that longing that we feel that we're meant for something else. And we go to, to things like good food or, or, or drinks or, or drugs, both illegal and sometimes even prescriptive. Maybe it's the way we amuse ourselves with endless shopping or endless trading of goods to try to get a better deal. Maybe it's the planning for an exotic vacation or looking back at exotic vacations in the past. Maybe our barrier is the outward pursuit of status, success, Success of our kids. Maybe it's in our physical appearance. Fitness. The way that we look to others. All that is pride. And it creates a barrier. Maybe it's the way we surround ourselves with easy friendship. Ha! Lots of laughter. All that to try to avoid the real longing that we sense inside of us. To really, truly know the love of God as our Father and the promise of his eternal peace. So what is it? What's your barrier? Lord, will you show us? Where is your abundance? That's a good place to start. Practical example for me, and maybe for others, when I think of abundance, I think of my, you know, unlimited data endless amounts of information 24 hours or endless amount of options for entertainment nice big 4k wide screen that's just an easy place to go where i can lose myself and not think turn on a movie and just chill out sometimes and often that can be a place where god is second if he's there at all what is your barrier the book of Ephesians says, since we have heard about Jesus, which we will find out is the one who helps us to to know God and to find his peace, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and lies, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes put on your new nature created to be like god and there it is how can i know that i'm one of the family of god how can i be in relationship with god that begins to conform me into his goodness created to be like god truly righteous and truly holy that's that's what our deepest longing is so we are instructed to really take all of ourselves, our successes and all of our messes, our, our wealth and all of our worries, our pride and all those things that we try to hide, and we say, "Here where they are, here we are, Lord, they're all yours." Now what we know in the scriptures is the man he went away sad. It's really one of the hardest moments. Uh, you can read in the Gospels, he walked away sad. If I, if I park in that moment too long, it's really tough to hear. He went away sad and alone because he liked his stuff. And he was safe behind his barrier. That's all he knew. That's probably all he had. And that's what happens when we hang on to those barriers. Eventually they become all that we have. You know, Jesus didn't tell everyone to go and sell all their stuff, give it to the poor and follow. But what Jesus was really looking for the man to come to to say and to have the understanding of his life, to say, Lord, I don't have anything. Everything I have, Lord, is yours. Everything I have belongs to God. My stuff, my heart, and my life, all of it belongs to God. That's really where Jesus was trying to lead him to. It's just that beginning Of like, Lord, all I have is yours. Because that's how we all enter into the kingdom of God. With our hands open wide. And us just saying, Lord, all I have is yours. We all begin there. We must, in fact, enter the kingdom of God with open hands. Saying, Lord, all that I have is yours. And that's exactly what I did in some measure many years ago. When I opened my hands to God of all the successes that I would had. But, oh, man the, the bankload of failures. Sure, the maybe some riches I had, but mostly it was filthy rags. And I said, Lord, all that I have, all of my heart, all of them are yours, Jesus. Take them and forgive me. Forgive me for my prideful and wicked heart. Take all of me and remake me. And that's how I got from that weird little neighborhood to here, serving with all of you. My friends, our real poverty is never really financial. It isn't. We think it isn't, it isn't. Our real poverty is never financial. It's relational. We all need to know the love of God. So where do we find it? How do we, how do we get it? Well, we look to Jesus, who enjoyed such a rich relationship with God that they were literally one together in spirit, though distinct in person. And God sent Jesus, his son, here to walk among us, to teach and to call us back to God. And Jesus laid down his life. And on the cross, experiencing all the pain of separation that we do all the time because of our sin and our barriers, and he died. He died for it. But in rising again, He tore down every barrier that could stand between us and God and he built a bridge. And he built a bridge that we can stand on by faith when we say, here I am, Lord. Here's all of me. Forgive me and fill me with your great love. Teach me to live for you first. Teach me to love those around me like you do. And lead me confidently, and peacefully into eternal life as your child. Maybe this morning a barrier for you has been identified and you want to just hand it over to God. What has been holding you back from a rich relationship with God and with brothers and sisters in the church? Maybe you want to stand this morning with me and just declare this fresh, as we continue our series, Amazed and Afraid, and our walk towards through Lent to the Easter holiday, Holy Week, we just pray out, God, we praise you for calling us back to you. Forgive us how we have kept to ourselves through our possessions and our pride. Thank you that Jesus laid down his life for us so that we can be in relationship with you as our Father and be filled with your eternal peace. All that we have is yours, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.